Another edition of Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin, but with Spencer German sitting in the hosting chair. Happy to be here again. We got a lot planned, a lot of good stuff coming your way tonight for the next five hours. We're going to... We are quite literally the calm before the storm. We're going to be your evening entertainment. If you're hunkering down, getting ready for this, this storm to start overnight... We'll be here for you to provide support, give you some entertainment, talk some sports, talk some Browns. We'll we'll laugh together, maybe cry together. I don't generally get emotional on the air, except last night I got emotional on the air. Not in that way. Very different emotion. I was angry. Um, but we're going to have some fun, and hopefully when we get out of here, the roads are good enough that I can at least make it home without being run off the road. That'd be the hope. But we're looking forward to it. 216-474-992 if you want to get involved. We have a couple guests that I will tease here coming up. But I got to, like, here's the thing. As we continue to have this conversation about the coaching changes and offensive coordinator and who's going to call the plays, I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm just going to admit this off rip. I don't think there's a conversation that is more agonizing and like broken record annoying to me than the who's calling the plays conversation. And I get on some level why it matters because you want to know whose mindset is behind the offense and who is who is to blame when things go wrong and who's the one kind of calling the shots. I get why we talk about it. I just feel like it comes up so much. Like this conversation is more exhausting to me than – The Baker Mayfield, are you cheering for him conversation? Or did the Browns make the wrong call moving on from him conversation? Or the is Deshaun Watson going to figure this thing out and become the Browns franchise quarterback conversation? Like, throw out the the, any of your sports radio hack offseason conversations. The like I'd rather have the LeBron versus MJ GOAT conversation for five hours with you tonight than spend an exuberant amount of time pondering and guessing and wondering who is going to be calling the plays next year and why that matters so much to the future of this team. I get it does matter. I just think that we spend so much time talking about it and more time than than we probably should on something that, as Kevin Stefanski's even said on these very airwaves, we make too big of a deal out of anyway. But I will say this about the news that came out today, and we have to also couple this with the comments from uh, Albert Breer that he had on afternoon drive, not so uh, a little a little over uh, a little less than I should say two hours ago, about where this decision to move on from these offensive coaches came from. But if you're wondering who's going to have the autonomy to call the offensive plays next year, I think we got an answer to our question with the news of the first potential candidate that the Browns are interviewing as we speak. Maybe not as we speak, but in the midst of trying to go through the process with. And that is Andy Dickerson, who spent the last couple years with Seattle, was with the Rams in from 2020 or at, up until 2020, from 2012, so he was spent basically eight years with the Rams, nine years with the Rams, and he comes to Seattle, and the only real, like the highest role he ever held in terms of game planning each week and doing something 
in-game scheming-wise for a team was that he was the run game coordinator at one point. Otherwise, all his jobs have been offensive line, assistant coach, offensive line coach, most recently with the Seahawks. Um, He was a quality control coach at one point here in Cleveland in 2009, earlier on in his career. So he's been around, he's seen some things, he's done some things, and he's climbed that ladder, but the ladder's kind of stopped at offensive line coach. He's never been a play caller, never been an offensive coordinator, and if that's the direction this team is going, like it's not like you heard out of the gate, oh, Browns are going to bring in Bill O'Brien to interview, one of the coaches who worked with Deshaun Watson and got the most out of Deshaun Watson during their time together in Houston. It was, here's this guy, Andy Dickerson, that most of us have probably never really heard anything about. I had to look up more information about his background and who he was because I certainly didn't know, admittedly. I'll hand in the air. I admit I didn't know a lot about this guy. I don't think many of us did. And if you call and tell me that you know a lot about Andy Dickerson, I'm going to call you a liar because I don't think you knew much about him until today unless I guess you were really in tune with Brown's assistant coaches and quality control coaches in 2009. But I think that it provides an answer to the question about who's calling the plays next year. It's going to be Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski is still going to be in charge. That is still going to be his baby. He is still going to have the autonomy to do that. Because if you're bringing in a coach who has never once in his life called plays, and it's not, here's the other thing. It's not like we're hearing Andy Dickerson's name floated around for offensive coordinator jobs around the NFL. I haven't heard his name once this cycle until today when Jonathan Jones reported that the Browns were talking to him. I don't think he was on Jay Glazer's list of hot commodity candidates that are out there on the market right now for OCs or head coaches. None of that. I'm not saying he can't do the job. I'm not saying it's going to be fine at what he if, if the Browns were to hire him to bring him in here. I'm just saying that to me reads like they're trying to get a guy who can be a a, a voice alongside Kevin Stefanski, but not the voice alongside Kevin Stefanski. They're also getting a guy, as we sit here and talk about the Browns being one of the lowest team, the, the teams that used motion the least in the NFL this year, pre-snap motion, and didn't do a lot of what you see with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, remember that name for a second, and uh, Mike McDaniel and some of these offenses that are high-octane, high-powered, and if that's the direction you're trying to go with a player like Deshaun Watson... Well, you're now talking about a guy who worked under Sean McVay and saw that firsthand. So I think he brings some things to the table that are going to give your offense a new look, give your offense some new perspective and some new philosophies. And that's, I think, what they're looking for here. But I think we answer our own question if we're sitting here asking who's going to call the plays. I think we ask, like, just this, this link to a coach who's never called plays before Tells me all I need to know. It's likely going to be Kevin Stefanski, and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to target coaches that haven't had that role before. And maybe that's a product of coaches who they're looking at have to come your understanding that they're not going to be the primary play caller, and so they're not even going to try to go for those guys who want that role. But either way, I think we have our answer. Now, what's interesting with this, because I had that sort of prepped and ready to go for the show tonight, and then I, I listened in on the Albert Breer interview, and I found it curious what he had to say about the decisions that were made to move on from some of the offensive coaches this season, this offseason here earlier in the week. And I found it interesting 
his thoughts on where this these decisions to move on from Stump Mitchell and T.C. McCartney and Alex Van Pelt came from. It doesn't change the math fully, but it makes me wonder about Kevin Stefanski and his power and the power structure here in Cleveland a little bit more. This was Breer's comments. You know, I think this is sort of, I would call it maybe an organizational decision to make some changes on the coaching staff. And, you know, the perception I've got is I think there are people up above that want to see more out of Deshaun Watson and want to get more out of Deshaun Watson. How do you get more out of Deshaun Watson? Well, you know, I think one way to do it is to try to continue to tailor the offense to Watson. And so, you know, they tried to do that more this year. We've talked about that a lot over the last year. So do you take the next step and hire somebody that he's worked with, right? Like, so do you hire a Bill O'Brien or a Tim Kelly or someone who was there when you had Deshaun Watson at the height of his powers in Houston, you know? So I think that's sort of the idea. I do, like, believe that it's very specific to the quarterback, specific to their investment in the quarterback, and specific to people in that organization wanting to get more out of the quarterback. That's the way I view the move, and that's the way I think. I think that's the the reasoning that goes into it, which, you know, I don't think is real fair to Alex Van Pelt because, I mean, he was able to put together a pretty competent offense this year, you know, and with their fourth and fifth tackles and with the fourth quarterback and without Nick Chubb, you know, but, you know, this I don't think this is about that. I think this is about Deshaun Watson specifically. I think Stefanski was involved, but I don't know that this was him alone. You know, I, th- I think that there's just – there are a lot of moving parts with this one. The thing he nailed that I think we've established at this point is that this move feels purely about the development of Deshaun Watson and the idea that they need to see more from him. Their $230 million investment, their their three first-round picks in a trade for him, it is absolutely a... I mean, that's that's what this comes down to, 100%. And that's why... The idea that Breer floats out there that this was an organizational decision. And listen, you always hear this. Everybody from Stefanski, Barry, top on down says that everything they do is collaborative. So everyone's got a seat at the table and they all sit there and talk through it together. And they all kind of figure it out, sing Kumbaya, pack it up and go about their merry way. Each and every decision is what they make it seem like happens. But I do think it's important to understand if this was coming more so from above and they're forcing Kevin Stefanski's hand here a little bit, we want you to make some changes. We think that you need to have some different insight of the offense. It tells us a lot about even in a season where they go out and they win with four different quarterbacks and they go to the playoffs. And I'm not saying that's good enough and that they should settle. I, I think I said it last night. I'm okay. And I'm on board with these moves. If you're thinking big picture, Kevin Stefanski always says like, I really want to do things. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help this team win. So, I, and I and I believe when he says that, and I believe the organization under the Haslam's, they've clearly shown that they want to do everything they can to try to win. So I'm not denying that, but it lets you know kind of where Kevin Stefanski stands in all this. Like, even though he's making the playoffs, even though he's squeezing every bit of wins he can out of a team that was at one point quarterbacked by PJ Walker and, Joe Flacco at the age of 38 and DTR for a short period of time. He will be judged, judged during an executioner, executioner, excuse me, on this, on this, in this organization, will determine his fate based off of what happens with Deshaun Watson, which is why this next year is going to be so, so critical and seeing where this thing's going. Because they're all in this together. And if it doesn't work out, 
Like, I understand we want to decide who's going to have the play calling duties and all this different stuff, and I still think it ends up being Stefanski when push comes to shove after this hiring process gets done and we're, we're, we're looking ahead to 2024 and, and the season this fall. But beyond next year, if you're still not seeing the results, now you're three years into Deshaun Watson's contract. He still isn't the guy that you wanted, that you signed up for, you traded for, that he was in Houston or close to it. Then are we talking about those play calling duties just completely getting ripped away from Kevin Stefanski in order to kind of save his job? And somebody up top is like, hey, we're giving this to somebody else because you're still not getting the job done. The future of Kevin Stefanski, the future of this organization, it feels like with those comments from Albert Breer, rests solely on what happens with Deshaun Watson moving forward, especially in this year ahead in 2023. Because this is, when you're in the middle of a contract like this, where you're trying to see what you got in Deshaun, it's almost like a seesaw, right? You're right in the middle right now, and it can go either way. Right now, it's leaning towards it's not going to work out. If that middle year, he starts to lean the other direction, you got three years where you can play well, then it tips back, the, the scales tip back in your favor, and the deal works out in the end. This year is critical. And I think that's what I that, that's the big thing I take away when I hear Breer talk about, Albert Breer talk about, yeah, this is an organizational decision that maybe the powers that be above Stefanski felt he needed to make a change. 216-474-0092. What's your read on the situation specifically after hearing Albert Breer's comments today, uh, Mickey, Adam, others will get to you, your tweets, and much, much more. It's Spencer German off and running with you on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Welcome back. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer German in for JP tonight. Uh, we got a couple different guests for you. About an hour from now, we'll check in with Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report. Uh, are the Cavs suddenly back to being contenders? Because the reports of the locker room last night that they're talking like contenders, the vibes like contenders. Are we, or is that overreacting to the six-game win streak? So we'll ask about that. We'll ask about trade deadline moves that could be at their disposal, some other things as well. And then later on in the show, if you're able to stay up late with us, again, hunkering down for the storm, getting yourself ready to wait it out for, through the night, um, 10 p.m., we're going to be joined by a former Browns assistant coach. The only hint I'll give you beyond that right now, we'll reveal a little bit later, is that he also um, coached under Bill Belichick. We'll pick his brain on a couple different things. First of all, these coaching decisions. I'm curious how all these different things go down, like what those conversations are like after a season ends, especially a season that's successful like this one was for the Browns. And then also, I want to pick his brain on Bill Belichick. So we'll uh, we'll tease it. We'll get we'll reveal the name a little bit later in the show. But looking forward to both of those. We got some other stuff to get to. I, I have a little mini Ohio State topic to get to as well, and some other things. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Two one six four seven four double nine two. Our first topic of conversation though here is just about this power struggle that potentially exists within the organization and who's going to call the plays and who's not. But I. I continue to be less worried about the play calling debate than some. I think the candidate that we're seeing the Browns being linked to right now, Andy Dickerson, sort of makes me think that it's just going to be Kevin Stefanski. It's not somebody who's ever called plays before, so it, it really just feels like they're looking for some fresh perspective on things in the modern era of offense in the NFL and that it's not somebody who's going to come in and take that role from Stefanski specifically. 
But Albert Breer made the comments on afternoon drive today that he thinks this was kind of an organizational decision and that guys up top, people in positions of power above Stefanski, also kind of jumped in here and said, I think we need to change some things. And that's what's led to the offensive coaching staff shakeup this week with Stump Mitchell, TC McCartney, and uh, Alex Van Pelt now out of the picture. And as we all agree and understand, what's been said now the last 24 to 48 hours has been that this is largely about, or really mostly about, Deshaun Watson getting the most out of him. So much for this organization, as we can as we can now tell, is riding on that trade panning out and how he performs specifically coming up this fall in 2024. If he doesn't play well, Stefanski is going to be judged on that. And maybe that's, I'm not saying they're going to fire him necessarily after two playoff appearances here in four years, but it might be one of those deals where they they forcibly take the play calling duties away from him and say, we got to give it to somebody else because you ain't getting the job done. We made this trade with the intention that we're going to go chase Super Bowls and, we, and we're falling short right now in your system. It also means that there's a lot riding on for the organization in general on 2024 because if Deshaun doesn't play well next year, that's when we start having the conversation about this trade being an utter and colossal disastrous mis, uh, miscue and flub by the Cleveland Browns. And there's people who already feel that way, but the difference is you got three years left in a five-year deal to still sort of prove it. And if the next three years he looks better, then you feel a little bit better about the, the whole situation and the deal that was made. If he doesn't look better, then yeah, it's it's a much different conversation where we're sitting here still wondering, will he ever get even close to being the player that he was in Houston? And that's still very much up for debate. But that's what's kind of at stake here going into the next season. Let's go to the phones. First up tonight on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin, we got Mickey. Mickey, how's it going tonight, my man? How are you guys doing? Pretty good. What you got? So I just, I'm going to start actually off with uh, my first topic. I just want to say as a uh, Browns fan and seeing how the fans got behind Flacco the past six weeks, Watson got to stand there on the sidelines and watch us throw our hands up in the air, make songs for him, do all these things. T-shirts. T-shirts, <laughs> everything. And, and as a man or woman, okay, and now put yourself in Watson's shoes, do you not want to make more money than $230 million? Are you not that top 10 quarterback in the league? So seeing these fans get behind Flacco, 39 years old now, this coming week or whatever, how are you not excited to come back and try to get that vibe back in Cleveland? All right, that's number one. You're saying with Flacco or you're saying with Deshaun? With Deshaun. As Deshaun, as a person, sitting there watching Flacco do what he did this season and yet fluttered out. And our defense, we didn't play enough man-to-man. So I don't want to go back to Saturday. I'm looking to the future. But as Watson, as a man standing on the sidelines, how are you not, like, looking at this crowd like, holy crap, like, I can do that. I can do that for the next five seasons, even more. So my next thing is with Van Pelt getting let go, I actually kind of think it's a good thing because he has a lot of a lot of Baker Mayfield still, his first down plays, his third down long plays, the only time that it ever worked on third and long is with Flacco, and that's because he was a veteran. You look at third and 13, you're like, oh, we're screwed. No, Flacco made it happen because he's a veteran. 
So now with Van Pelt's play calling gone, you might get in a new fiery offensive type of side with Stefanski. That's an offensive side of coach. He might turn this into a whole juggernaut, in my opinion. Like, they might take this last season into a whole different – and I'm looking to the the positive side of it. Yeah, no, like, of Mickey, I, I mean, I think this is – all this is about is Deshaun, and all this is about is getting the most out of Deshaun. And I mentioned it last night, like, AVP – the the quarterback that maybe most that he's worked with in his career that maybe most resembled I guess what you're trying to do with Deshaun Watson in this offense was probably uh, Josh Freeman, Kansas State exactly. quarterback that went to the the Buccaneers. Like yep. that's that's it. He he didn't really have this style of quarterback on his resume. And again, the Browns were one of the lowest teams, one of the teams that ran the least amount of motion last year pre snap. Like it's just it, it's not what you're looking for in an NFL offense today that's going to be run and generaled by Deshaun Watson. So I I totally understand why they made the move and why they're making these decisions, and I do think it's the right frame of reference and the right thought process yeah. to do so. Um, when we when we signed Watson, I really looked at our offense as being like the Ravens, like a lot of misdirection, motions left to yeah. right, with Watson getting out, and that it you yeah rusty or whatever it was. I, like I said, I really think Van Pelt, as much as Kevin Stefanski runs that offense, Van Pelt was, r- like, making those plays. And he has last say, but I really think to get some more spice in the offense, something that's different rather than – he's been there since Baker. He's yeah. been there since Stefanski. Let's lighten it up a little yeah. bit. And Stump, letting Stump go is questionable because I hope Chubb comes back. And I know they're really close. But I – it's I don't know I I think you make Barry Andrew Barry is throwing some hail marys and he always has and I hope it works this time and yeah, I got faith yeah. in it. All right, I appreciate the call, Mickey. Yeah, listen, I think that with with I with Van Pelt, the idea that you're getting some different ideas in there. I, we don't know fully what his role was on a week to week basis. We know he was the quarterback coach again this year, and so he was working closely with the quarterbacks. Maybe that's part of the equation here. But I don't know, like how much he was drawing up plays, uh, scheming up plays, like what his role specifically was in the game plan each week. But if you're trying to get somebody in here that just has a different view of offense or runs a different system, and you want to pair that with what Stefanski does with kind of that West Coast style play action, drop back pass, um, and you also got to think about too, to Mickey's point, he said he thought this offense was going to be like the Ravens with Lamar. With the shoulder injury to Deshaun, I do wonder how much of that we even see next year. Like, you can't be scared to run, let him run and use that as a weapon, but you just, you're going to constantly be thinking now about protecting him because you can't afford to lose him again. And you now have in the back of your head that he had this shoulder injury on a play, by the way, where he ran the football and got hit on the shoulder. So, yeah, like, these are all factors. These are all things. I have no problem with them trying to get a different viewpoint in here, a perspective in here. And that's, as everyone continues to say, that seems like that's what this is. Um, Adam and Akron, you're up next. What's up, Adam? Hey, what's up, Sutter? Um, you guys kind of stole my thunder just a little bit. Um, what I was going to say is is the Alex Van Pelt firing, it does make sense to me. Um, if you saw the Browns' offense this year, um, the most successful they were was when Joe Flacco was at quarterback. But that's not the team that we are. 
and going into next year, obviously with Deshaun Watson, it's it's a much different game with Deshaun in the field, and you should be able to open up the playbook and RPOs and all of those things and do a lot more um, things with Deshaun Watson. And I think it maybe opened their eyes that okay, um, Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski, for that matter, because in Minnesota he he kind of did the same thing with the two tight ends and Kirk Cousins, and you know it's had almost that statue kind of quarterback and was successful, but that's not what we have. So somebody needs to come here um, as they've got the play caller. I don't, I don't think it needs to be the play caller, but at least with the philosophy of yeah. how do we use Deshaun to the best of his ability. And they need to look – and when you're talking about um, the guy from, from Seattle, who was their quarterback last year? Uh, he he kind of mirrors Gino, yeah. what – yeah, he kind of mirrors what Deshaun Watson does. Yeah. And before that, Russell. He also mirrors what Deshaun does. So having just that experience with those semi-mobile quarterbacks that can run the RPO, that can run all of these things, you're, you're going to find out very quickly yeah. you know, what Deshaun is good at, and then you're going to be able to game plan um, for him to be at his best. I think that Stump and I think that the tight ends coach, they, they kind of got a – a bad deal about this, but I also think it's because when they bring in an OC, you're going to want to ask this guy, you know, as far as your philosophy and mix with Kevin Stefanski, who do we feel like can mesh well with all of them and get on the same game planning and get on the same everything. But I think it's a good move because I think it's geared towards Deshaun and it's geared towards how he can be successful and making this team successful and, um, hopefully they make the right decisions, and next year we're seeing the Deshaun Watson that we've wanted to see now for for two years. Granted that he's healthy. Yeah, appreciate the call, Adam. Good stuff. We got to go to break here shortly, and and I think that's that's the goal, right? The 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 overarching goal here is get the Deshaun Watson that you're expecting when you traded three first round picks for him and brought him in here. So if that's what this is all sort of behind the scenes building towards, then then yeah, it, it is the right decision. Um, he brings up Geno Smith. What's interesting about the Seahawks, though, is they were one of the like eh, they were they were they were they were like middle third. They were like nineteenth or twentieth in terms of RPOs run. So they didn't even really use Geno in that way. But I do think that um, Dickerson has experience with that, especially coming from the Rams. And I like I like I said, I just think it's a fresh perspective. It's a different look on things. And however they sort of collaborate to set up the offense every year. That's what you're looking to do, and that's why this person they bring in does matter. But no, I I think ultimately it's still Kevin Stefanski calling the shots on game day and and, and drawing up the plays and, and deciding what to do on any given moment in a game. 216-474-0092. We'll get to more of your calls when we get back because I know a lot more of you guys want to get in on this. Also, guys, coming up, is there a world where Joe Flacco and Deshaun Watson can coexist on this Browns roster together? Talk about that coming up as well. Spencer German, Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan. When did this song come out, Jax? Do we know? I couldn't tell you the year, but... Because I feel like this this, this 100%, as I'm going through my brain here, this feels like a song that was out when I was in high school. Like, that's what this takes me back to. What year were you in high school? I was in high school from 2005 until 2009. Or 2004 to 2009. It might have been like 2009. I feel like it was like a senior year thing. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. I was wrong. 
2011. It was two years. It was it was early in early in my college years is when this song came out. But st- same thing applies. Like it was that time of my life that this song came out. Mm. One of the, it's one of those songs that like you hear it, you know exactly what it is, and it like takes you back. There's always certain songs in life that'll take you back to a certain time, and this is one of them for me for sure. Classic. Absolute classic. 216-474-2192. You know, it's funny. I'm going to get to your calls here. Give me a second. Because I mentioned a name earlier as we have this conversation about Brown's new OC and the names that they've been linked to. And I threw out the name Bill O'Brien because I said Andy Dickerson isn't a name that a lot of people know. And if you're bringing in a guy like that, it tells me Kevin Stefanski's not giving up play calling for for nothing. He's he's holding on to that damn thing for life. And I said it'd, it'd be different if you heard the Browns link to Bill O'Brien or something, somebody who obviously got a ton out of Deshaun Watson when they were together. And I was texting my co-host of the Sons of the Shoe podcast during the break because of a tweet that I got from one of our loyal listeners, Radu. And Radu tweeted at me and asked, "Are the can you provide any context to the rumors that Ohio State is going to hire Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator? And my eyes perked up. I sent back the, uh, the eyeballs emoji because I hadn't heard these rumors. And I'm, I, I try to stay in tune with the college football stuff. I, uh, I, you know, Pete Thamel generally drops some of those nuggets during the day, Dan Wetzel, and I'll kind of pay attention to those. But I hadn't heard this yet. And so I texted Nick and said during the break, and I was like, wait, is, is this true? And he said, yes, there's... Now, it's true in one place. I don't, I, I don't want to get it twisted. This is not me doing some Woodward and Bernstein deep dive reporting on who the, the Ohio State offensive coordinator announcement is going to be tomorrow because they're supposed to announce it tomorrow. But what I'm saying is there are, on the Reddit message boards, which for some reason the Reddit message boards always seem to know something. They're, it's, it's like Vegas and the Reddit message boards. They, they are like the two sports Nostradamuses out there. They always have the answers to things somehow. So there's a, there's a Reddit message board that is, is linking those two together. And there's also a an Intune X account that puts things out there. And one of the things that they're putting out there is that this could be what the 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 marriage is for offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So two things. A, that's a massive move for Ohio State because it means Ryan Day. Uh, like we've we've already said that Ryan Day, if you listen to the podcast, Sons of the Shoe, get it wherever you get your podcast in the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, wherever, 92thefan.com. We've talked a lot about how Ryan Day is going full flat, full bore, all in, pushing the chips into the center of the table with all the stuff they're doing this year and all the moves they're making, all the players they're bringing into the portal and, and, and elsewhere. And if they go get Bill O'Brien, it basically, I mean, I mean, you're not getting Bill O'Brien to not relinquish play calling duties. So that tells me Ryan Day's doing that. And it's funny that we're having the exact same conversation about the Browns, but that would also explain why the Browns maybe aren't going to be linked to Bill O'Brien because it sounds like he has another potential job. Again, allegedly, just rumors. I'm not putting this out there. It's all reckless speculation. But 
it sounds like he's got another job uh, in the works. And that would probably explain why the Browns are bringing in names like Andy Dickerson instead of instead of Bill O'Brien. So just putting that out there. Might be a pretty good explanation as to why we haven't heard that yet, if that's even a possible thing. 216-474-992. Let's go back to the phones. Nathan in Cleveland. What's up, Nathan? Hey, what do you think about the Dallas Cowboys keeping Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott? What do I think about it? Um, My thought on it is that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because the Cowboys seem to do the same thing every year. I know they won a playoff game technically last year, so it was on the road, but I'll give them credit for that. But every year it seems like they have these massive high expectations. They're hyped up as a pre- – every year we, we're talking about them in May winning the Super Bowl, and this is finally it. They're finally going to turn that corner. And then every year Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott together – Lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe Dak said it after the game that if it's going to be blamed on Mike McCarthy, it's got to be blamed on him. Maybe they're just not a match together. I don't know. But uh, I was stunned that they kept them, especially when Bill Belichick's out there. Like, who needs the the best coach in football ever when you got Mike McCarthy, I guess? Yeah, I agree. I think Mike McCarthy's got to go. Yeah, I was surprised they kept him around. Appreciate the call, Nathan. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Todd, is this Todd in Ward 1 or different Todd? No, it's a different Todd. Todd in Ward 1 is an awesome caller. He is. I'm, I'm an awesome listener, but uh, <laughs> I don't call in that frequently. At any rate, Spencer, well, before I get to my point, look, bro, you're our Joe Flacco right now. You're filling in for Peterlin. You're You're the backup guy, and you're killing it. So good job. <laughs> I love that analogy so much because I've been so I have been so high on this Flacco train, as James Bridges likes to point out. Um, so much so that I said that he's he's a Cleveland sports legend and all these different things. So I will take being the Joe Flacco of ninety two through the fan. I, I will wear that honor proudly. Thank you, Todd. Good, good. But I did, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this because. I think all of us as Browns fans were a little bit shocked to hear Van Pelt's going. But then, you know, we listened to the procedures. We heard what, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, the uh, Monday morning quarterback guy. Albert Breer, yeah. uh, Yeah, that's him. We heard what he had to say on on Nick and Dustin's show. And, I, I, you know, I'm just putting together in my brain, and I'd like to hear your opinion. I'm like, well, maybe this is how the Browns and their brain trust operate. Like, maybe Van Pelt was brought in to make Baker an awesome quarterback, and then you could see it didn't quite fit with Watson. So they're like, all right, well, we have to move in another direction. I don't know. I'm, I, You know, I'm always, just like everyone else, a positive Browns fan and everything, but I, I was just curious about that, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Todd, like, if if – Here's the thing. I think Kevin Stefanski earned at least the fan base's trust. I will never probably understand the full dynamics of how the power structure works within that organization. Maybe one day it'll come out. But at least from the fan base side of it, last offseason we saw Kevin Stefanski do something similar. He moved on from Mike Prefer, he moved on from Joe Woods, and he brought in new coaches, and it worked out pretty beautifully this past season. So 
I think he's earned some latitude to make these decisions and make some changes. And if the organization also feels like collectively, as they like to say, it's time to bring in a different sort of approach and mindset here. I can get behind that. I understand why it was a little bit surprising and probably shocking because these guys have been together since they got here and the offense largely hasn't been the problem most years. And even this year, like you're squeezing as much juice out of Joe Flacco at 38 and PJ Walker and DTR as possible to get into the playoffs. And it was pretty remarkable. Um, So I can't blame Van Pelt for that or Stefanski. Like the offense wasn't great as it's been in previous years, but it also, you know, you, you got the job done. And I think there was a lot to be said for that. So I, like, I, I can't blame them if they're trying to get more and they're trying to think ahead on, well, what's going to be, be the best for Deshaun Watson? Because like I've been saying this first hour, so much hinges now on how that deal works out, how he plays, and that they're proven right in the end that this was the right move and that he is the quarterback of the future for this team and they have to realize his potential this fall. Like, it's, it's, it's a must. I agree with you 100%. I really do. And uh, I, sometimes I worry about our Browns because you know that old saying, too many cooks in the kitchen, they ruin a good yeah. soup. And yeah. uh, But, hey, we got to roll with them. I and mean, What else are we going to do? Well, there were several years we didn't have our Browns, but we have them now, so, and we're rolling. We suffered through so many terrible years, and we're rolling at least. So, um, uh, yeah, now I agree with you, Spencer. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very yeah, much. Yeah, I appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. I, I, the trust thing, too, it's weird because I was sitting here a week ago going to this playoff game, waxing poetic about how I felt so good about them beating the Texans in this, that, and the third, right? And then they got blown out. And I and one of the points I made was this team has earned our trust finally. That dwindles a little bit when you get blown out that way. Like going to the playoffs next year, I'll be a little bit more cautiously optimistic about how I approach it and what I say on the airwaves here at 92 through the fan. So I, I gotta watch myself a little bit there. But in the grand scheme of things, I still think the organization has at least earned our trust in terms of believing that they're all working towards the same goal and they're not making decisions that are just out of the blue, random, reactionary. Like, they're doing things that are, in an ideal world, building towards the ultimate goal of winning the championship. Through four years of Stefanski at the helm and Andrew Barry, that has been the case. They've had to build this thing. They got the players the first year. They got the players this past year. They revamped the roster. They revamped the coaching staff a little bit a year ago. And now we're talking about, okay, what's that next step to take that next leap if they believe these are the right decisions to be made, I think on some level they have des- they have earned some of our trust to do that. Hey, by the way, guys, the playoffs that lie ahead, even though the Browns aren't in it, it's going to affect what happens next season. Dale Wright and Andy Baskin covered all during its always game day in Cleveland, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe to our podcast at 92thefan.com or in the Odyssey app. More of your calls when we get back. And also, guys, is this six-game win streak? Got us believing that the Cavs are title contenders again. We'll do it next. Leading up to Greg Swartz at, at uh, 820 here on The Fan.